It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that cabbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 870 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, January the 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can find all of the wonderful stuff we got going on the Locked On Podcast Network on your favorite podcast provider. We don't just have this show covering your favorite teams. We have daily local experts covering every team in the Big Four sports, including your Toronto Maple Leafs and your Toronto Blue Jays. So go and listen to those shows if you are a Toronto sports fan. And if you're not, we have something else for you, I'm sure, whether you're an NFL fan, baseball, hockey, college sports, whatever it might be, we got you covered. So go and support the shows you want to support. Okay, on today's show... We're wrapping up the week with a mailbag episode. You got some nice questions sent in from the listeners, and we are going to dive into them today with one of our favorite guests. It's Katie Heindel. Katie, how's it going? Good, man. I got my coffee fired up right before we started this. Mm. It's got a, oh, it stopped snowing. I was like, there's a, Chris, a magical Christmas snow, but it's not anymore. <laughs> anyway, I'm good. What's your... What? What's your coffee situation? What's your coffee routine? Um, it depends on the day. Today, because I was in a pinch, um, sometimes I'll do a French press and I'm like sitting there to write or like work. Mm. Um, or we have an espresso machine. Um, but you can make nice. like, um, you can make Americanos. You can obviously make some type of latte, a cappuccino on it. It's got the, it's got the wand attachment. Um, mm. So I just fired up a quick, uh, double shot and made it into an americano and then i poured a little coconut milk in as the mm. espresso was coming down so it kind of mixes mm-hmm. it up very f- nicely you get the nice crema on the top as they say <laughs> uh yeah that's usually what it is i don't know sometimes i'm like should we just get a coffee machine but then it's like why would we have three i don't really need i like coffee but i'm not that kind of you know coffee person like i'm not gonna get a pour over i'm not gonna get and then if we got the machine i'm like one counter space don't have it two Mm -hmm. um i don't need that many coffee implements in my life yeah we're i'm a like a straight drip coffee maker dude for the most part we have a milk frother which uh sometimes we'll use to make lattes and whatnot but um the usually we have to do it with like the instant espresso like the powdered stuff Mm -hmm. because we don't have an espresso machine Probably should invest in one because yeah. I like some coffee. But uh, like you, the counter space is uh, is limited. Yeah, in the apartment. It is. And limited. there's uh, yeah, like we currently have. 
I got an air fryer for Christmas, and that thing is a beast that is just sitting on top of the stove now. That's just where it exists now. I only have three burners available now <laughs> because of the gargantuan air fryer, but it's worth it because the air fryer kicks ass. Anyway, this has been kitchen utility. No, the uh, last thing I'll say <laughs> about a coffee machine and why I'm always like, should we just get a coffee maker? As I love it, there's something so comforting, and I always am like, oh, it's so luxurious whenever I'm like at my parents' house or like with friends, have stayed with friends who like have this, but that you said it the night before and then it makes it at the time so it's ready when you wake up. But like, that's like just the most normal thing. But I'm always like, mm-hmm. what luxury? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which uh, we know Bobby Webster's a coffee yeah. guy, uh, ripping off the the Jimmy Butler big face coffee model. Do you, who do you think like among the players on the team is a big coffee guy? I don't know. I always wondered like because I don't think Kyle really is. You know what I mean? But we've no. seen so many NBA players of like Kyle's generation like get really into like coffee and kind of like I don't know. Coffee I could see Kyle's teetotaling extending to caffeine for sure. Mm-hmm. You um, know, like he doesn't drink, and I could see him saying, "No, caffeine's also gonna like in a pinch, like on a road trip somewhere." He might be like, "Oh, could you get me like a coffee?" But not a regular yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, probably. You know, it was probably Surge. I don't know. It might be oh, Baines. Yeah. Like Australians love coffee. Mm-hmm. I know he's like New Zealand Australian, um, but. Uh, I feel like OG is an iced coffee guy, which I respect because I'm an iced coffee guy in summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Everyone else, I know they're like they're regular aged men, but I'm just like they're too young for coffee. <laughs> I could see just because having two children seems like a lot, uh, especially at their age. Fred Van Vliet seems yeah. like maybe he's a coffee guy, like, yeah. and not like good luxurious coffee. He's a he's a drip coffee man too. I think. Uh, yeah, he's steady. Very, very eagerly, will will slug down a Dunkin' Donuts or a Tim Hortons, and it's just fine with it. It's more about the utility of it than the flavor, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was the first mailbag question from the brain of me. Uh, we have a lot of <laughs> questions that came in today, so big thank you to anyone who did send them in. Uh, we have got a bunch of questions to get to now, so we'll just roll through. Uh, boy, boy, boy. Let's start with our pal, Freddie Revis, who, uh, like a champ, I DM'd him when we didn't have that many questions to the mailbag just yet. He's so good with the questions. I said, Freddie, give us some questions. And he gave us three, I think. So and also forever. Thoughtful Shout questions outs. always, Freddie. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Very nuanced, evolved, layered. Mm-hmm. When he was on the show a couple weeks ago to do a mailbag, he mentioned that, you know, he tries to keep the hosts in mind when asking the questions and sort of tries to gear them to our sensibilities. So shout out to Freddie forever. Go listen to Confederacy of Dunks. Freddie's the best. Yeah, Freddie's wonderful. Uh, <clears throat> all right, let's get to uh, the first question from uh, Freddie. He asks, Siakam is shooting horribly from three <laughs> and Chris Boucher is on fire. Who is shooting out of character? Siakam or Boucher? Yeah, Siakam's um, at like 26% from three, maybe less after the heat game. Uh-huh. Boucher is at like 48% from three. Seems like he's shooting better from three than that, honestly. Uh, who is more out of character, do you think? I don't want to say either of them because I think for Boucher, I mean, for Boucher for so long, he was who nurse would just kind of throw in and hope, like fingers crossed, to hope this guy hits some threes, right? Like he was sort of the relief shooter for that. And then I think this season we've seen him kind of round out his role so much more that the improvement in threes, I look at it as just kind of the general around improvement that he's gone through. Mm-hmm. So I won't, I don't want to call it out of character because it's not a thing I want to stop. 
you know, mm-hmm. he's become one of the more reliable all around players. And like with a team that's margin is so thin, <laughs> that's what the Raptors need. Um, Siakam, I don't even know if I would call Siakam like a clutch three point shooter. To me, that's not ever what he was. It was again, like nice when he could hit those. I know he needs to, but frankly, mm-hmm. I would take him hitting his inside shots. I take him consistently finishing at the rim. You know, I like, I like that kind of like consistent follow through gameplay a little bit more from him. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cop out, but like, that's how it's. No, seen. it's not a cop out at all. I think the spirit of Chris Boucher's threes this season have been very much in character where mm-hmm. every time he has an opportunity to take one, it's falling and that confidence is being rewarded right now. Do I think he's going to shoot 48% all year long? Probably not, but he's doing exactly what you would want him to do in the role that he's playing, where he's trying to fill in the Serge Ibaka minutes, basically. And he's doing that quite admirably. And yeah, maybe the three-point percentage comes down to like high 30s, low 40s. That's still pretty damn good. And I still will leave me very happy anytime he decides to fire up that insane release. Uh, so I think he's very much in character right now. Um, even if he's getting a little bit lucky. Whereas Pascal, yes, I don't think I've ever sort of viewed him as like a dude whose game is built around threes. I think at times he might think his game is built around threes and he kind of settles quite a bit. And um, we saw, you know, in his worst moments last year in the playoffs, for example, just, okay, I'm just going to take this three because driving against Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart seems hard. And you know what? <laughs> in those cases, when Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart were punking him on those post-ups, maybe it was best for him to just put up threes. Um, but like, I think he's out of character right now. He's only shooting 25%. He doesn't look like himself when he's shooting threes. Like there was... Even in the preseason and early part of this season, his confidence looked a lot more sort of there. He wasn't doing the weird toe-tap thing, and he was getting it off quickly and on balance. And he's been a 37% shooter and a 36% shooter the last two seasons. Last year on very high volume, where he was shooting like above the break threes quite a bit as well. I think it'll snap back for him at some point here. Maybe it's silly to assume anything is going to snap back to normal for Pascal Siakam this, uh, you know, at any point this season. It's been a weird start for him where there's been a lot of very good and a lot of sort of like, okay, but what if you scored more, guy? Um, and maybe the threes are kind of what's inhibiting that. If he's hitting an extra three a game, which he's hitting exactly one fewer three this season than he was last year. You know, if he's hitting that extra three, he's well over 20 points a game. He's close to his his average from last season. And then you kind of sprinkle in all the other stuff he's doing well, in particular the playmaking, and it looks like a much better picture. So I, I think for right now, it looks out of character for him. And even if he sort of amps up the volume and the percentage just a little tiny bit, I think that'll go a long way to um, sort of fixing what ails Pascal Siakam so far this year. Good question, Freddie. We're going to get to more questions on the other side. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag. Right now, when you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you get a 50% welcome bonus, meaning if you put in $1,000 into your account, you get $1,500 put in to play with. That is a great deal to help you get started. And, of course, you've got lots of stuff to bet on. You've got NFL games of the week. You've got the uh, MLB futures and things like that that are taking place. Put some money on the Blue Jays to win. Uh, Katie's favorite team in sport, the Toronto Blue Jays. Put some money down. Uh, Lots of 
stuff to uh, to throw your money on at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Katie, let's continue on here with the mailbag questions. Uh, Just a heads up, the next podcast will likely be like a Sunday night episode. The Raptors play 1 o'clock on Sunday against the Pacers, of first of a back-to-back against Indy. And I think Tony East, our pal from Lockdown Pacers, is going to stop by, and we'll do a quick little crossover after the first game before the second game between Indiana and Toronto on Monday. So keep an eye out for that. Katie, let's continue on. Get to another mailbag question here. This one comes in from ASP. Uh, at, at ASP, lots of numbers on Twitter. Uh, which center <laughs> would you most like to see on the Raptors by midseason? Also, assuming we hold on to most of the cap slot created for Giannis, who should we go after? Uh, that's maybe a question for another day. We'll get to the cap, the cap space question down the line. Um, don't want to use all of the bullets today, but let's get to the Raptors centers by midseason. I know we've talked about this quite a bit on recent podcasts, uh, but it's constantly a changing landscape of who's available and who's not. Katie, assuming you think the Raptors should go pick up a center, which I probably I would assume that you do, uh, who would you most like to see on the Raptors by midseason? They're all gone. Anyone I want to <laughs> see is no longer available. The last, my last holdover, Kylo Quinn is now going so far as to play in Turkey because the Raptors didn't want him. He interviewed with them, but they did not want him for some strange reason. Um, I don't know. I said this to you before we started recording. I was looking at the available uh, bigs, and it's like <laughs> Dwayne Deadman, Ian Mahaney. <laughs> <laughs> other pretty sad um availabilities i don't i don't know i want them i know nurse said he's like oh, i want a three four or five which to me is too wide a range so you really got to narrow it down um and i think they've got to narrow it down size wise there's like such a size deficit right now i think the rebound like i know i'm talking about this like a broken record but the rebounding is like starkly like, I don't, I hate that number. They're still like 27th in rebounds in the league. Why aren't you just grabbing those things? It's mm-hmm. kind of a part of your whole job is just like a big, big man. If you, mm-hmm. if you can't shoot, you're not very good at catching, just try and grab those. So I don't know, man. I, th- this isn't like an easy solution to me. I guess they wait, they bide their time and perhaps see what, what, what happens, who becomes available mid season. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it's a pretty slim market. Yeah. Like the, the Deadman thing, you know, he's a way better 
player in theory than he is in practice, I think. You know, he's not a proven shooter necessarily. A couple of nice seasons here and there, but for the most part, not a whole lot. Um, he's probably the best guy available right now, which, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't thrill you at all. Um, I-, I wanted Kyle O'Quinn. I think you mentioned him. You know, he would have been fun uh, as like a vibes guy, at least, <laughs> you know, and probably better than Baines at this point. And you're right, like, the bar for Baines being, hey, you grabbed seven rebounds, good job, guy, is, uh, you know, a little bit troubling. They they need something more there. And I think we've talked about it quite a bit that, you know, this team right now has, I think, probably five guys you can super count on if you throw Boucher in that mix, as well as Powell sort of every other game, it seems, although he's been much better recently. So you get to six. You could find a seventh guy to really, really count on who's not Stanley Johnson, who bless his soul. He's good. He's done a lot of work on his game. He's found a role. He's he's playing it well. But if he's your seventh man, that's probably a bad sign. And there's just not a lot of guys out there in terms of at least free agents that you can be like, okay, that guy, you bring him in, and then instantly he's... You know, you can actually pencil him in to be your center or whatever. So, yeah, there, there's... I don't know. It, it's going to have to come through trade i think mm-hmm. i'm like on the andre drummond thing i think that'd be fun he's i think not perfect but would be such a substantial upgrade over baines it would be absurd it's kind of weird far to make the a mighty deal have fallen eh yeah <laughs> but yeah. i i i mean i've always also i can't say that i've always been a fan of andre drummond yeah oh so yeah. i also like it kind of makes sense because i can see if like because the Cavs they're gonna want to really invest in Jared Allen, why wouldn't you? Now you have him. Um, yeah. So then I think it is the polite time to, or this would be the more polite way to do, to edge Drummond out, right? You know, yeah. rather than like be like, okay, we really used used you, you kind of helped us there, but now we we're sort of looking at our future here. We're gonna mm-hmm. trade you away. I think that's a that's a nicer way to do it. Yeah. But I would take him. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing, too, with Drummond is that they acquired him for so little Mm -hmm. that they probably are okay with just sort of getting his money off the books more than anything else and sort of just clearing the decks and getting something in return. Like, I was talking to Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs, and I put, you know, a trade out there where it was just like Norm, Baines, and a bunch of other salary matching stuff. Um, you know, you, you throw in, you know, Johnson and Thomas or something like that, you get to the money and you bring back like Dylan Windler and Andre Drummond. And if you throw in like a second round pick or two, that probably gets you there for the Cavs. So I think it's doable. Does it fix everything wrong with the team? No. Does having a sort of paint bound center maybe make things more difficult for Pascal? I think we're seeing probably yes. Like he's much more. I think effective when there's not a center kind of clogging things up and he can kind of do his post-up thing with shooters all around as opposed to someone in the dunker spot. But, you know, he would also provide, like, the best lob threat Kyle Lowry's ever had to play with and someone who can actually grab rebounds and do so very, very well and probably fix the Raptors' rebounding issues in one fell swoop. So he's still the guy I have my eye on. Um, You know, if things go sour in Atlanta, maybe John Collins is someone you could try to pry. You know, he's going to be a free agent, and they don't really seem to have him in their future plans, considering all the money they spent this offseason and, like, the positional overlap of a lot of their guys. And so if you can get a look at him before he hits RFA, maybe that's a a thing to do, but that might cost you a little bit more because he's John Collins and he scores lots of points and all that. So, yeah, it's 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 a difficult spot that they're in. 
finding a center would be very cool. I it's it's not gonna happen soon though. I I fear it's gonna be at least a month until they can deal the Baines contract and a bunch of the of the other contracts they signed. To dude, maybe you know. even longer. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> they they just can't trade that that contract until yeah the twenty third, right? So it depends. I guess yeah. To your point, it depends how much else they want to line up to get yeah. in return. Yeah, for sure. Um. All right. Good question. We'll continue on with the mailbag. Uh, the next one here comes from. What are we doing here? Okay. Uh, this one comes from Mike Christie. I love you. I'd love your thoughts on why Terrence Davis gets minutes despite his lackluster defense and being a bad person. While Matt Thomas could be playing great against the zone and won't commit five fouls in five minutes. Good points. <laughs> I. I don't know. Like we've talked about the Terrence Davis thing, it's still uh, deeply uncomfortable. The game on my uh, against Miami on Wednesday was particularly a drag to watch because Kendrick Nunn and Terrence Davis received all of the plaudits from the broadcast, and it's just like at some point, some one of these broadcast teams, and apparently, you know, David Ramil, I was DMing with him back and forth too. Apparently, the Heat broadcast was just all over Terrence Davis and how great he is, and it's just like. Giving just a little bit of context would be lovely. Instead of asking the, how did this guy go undrafted question a million times, like you don't know and can't do a Google search, fucking do the Google search. I don't know. That's not the question, but just a real, uh, you know, watching Redacted play Redacted was, was a real suck of the energy and joy of that game. But the question from Mike is about Terrence Davis versus Matt Thomas. Katie, uh... Matt Thomas should be playing ahead of Terrence Davis, right? Like, this is not even a question to me. <laughs> like, Davis, I don't understand how he has avoided Nick Nurse's doghouse, considering the many, many defensive miscues he makes and the fact that ter- that Nick Nurse loves defense so much that he would rather Stanley Johnson play than anybody else who can actually shoot and things like that. It's just, it seems to be very incongruous with the way Nick Nurse typically operates that he's getting this many minutes. See, I think this is typical to another way that Nick Nurse operates, which is like very stubbornly hinging his hopes on a player and not backing off once he has decided that. Like right. Pat McCaw is a very strange and good example of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Nick is forever just like Pat McCaw. Like I'll try and get him whenever I can. The only reason it hasn't now because he's hurt (laughs) but this is tough for me because like yeah i I think matt tom's fine but this is where this is like also a good uh indicator of where the raptors are right now like things are so thin and very desperate that like you're like okay who would i pick over terrence davis or matt thomas i guess matt thomas like matt thomas is like not that not that versatile um Mm -hmm. but i will say like the foul points is very apt he's not going to foul as much as Terrence Davis is like Terrence Davis. I don't know. He's just kind of like steamrolling over everything at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean that this is something that like bugs me about what nurse does is that he, he can become for a coach that can be so flexible yeah, and like very fluid and not afraid to get weird. Like he can be very intractable when it comes to players. He is just like, no, I've decided like this, this is just the rotation now. Maybe yeah. he's fresh frustrated we're all frustrated too um maybe he's like i just want to make this stick but i don't think you can and then i also think i wonder this is just my skepticism coming through i'll i'll like put that as a caveat but like if the if the franchise isn't doubling down on its support in like a 
like in a visual cue kind of way of mm-hmm. Terrence Davis. You know what I mean? Like they haven't said anything further. Um, they've certainly not really like come out on the right side of this, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, are they just like, yeah, he's our guy. You know what? We're going to just show people that. Cause like showing not like when you're not saying anything, showing is kind of the next most powerful thing. Right. So I don't yeah. know. That is just, that is totally my skepticism speaking, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And like from a similarly skeptical point of view, I mean, I guess you could say maybe they're like playing him a lot to try to make him a more attractive person for someone to trade for. Perhaps. But that's also gross. Like I don't like the idea of the team getting something good out of, employing Terrence Davis and keeping him around. That sucks. Uh, you know, <laughs> they should not be getting any sort of windfall in return for him just because they decided to keep him around and boost his value by playing him. And that's a different kind of cynicism. Um, you know, I, I, I think you make a good point. I don't think Matt Thomas is some sort of savior by any means. Mm-hmm. You know, there are very clear limitations there. I think in particular when it comes to the zones that have very much screwed up the Raptors, and I talked about this on yesterday's solo podcast, like I think there's a way to get Matt Thomas in against those defenses because he is the best shooter on the team. He is the best zone buster you have. It's worked in the past, and if you counter Miami with your own little zone at the other end, then you can kind of make Matt Thomas passable on defense as opposed to being someone that Nick Nurse clearly does not trust. And so that, I think is an argument well taken but if you think matt thomas should be playing 20 minutes a night i think you're probably going to be disappointed if that ever comes to pass because Mm -hmm. there are very clear limitations to his game uh good question um we'll continue on in just a second here katie we're going to dive into a couple more mailbag questions in uh just a second but first a reminder that locked on bets is running every single day and they are winning you money like every single day i see the bets that locked on bets on their daily podcast about gambling are putting forth as their best bets and their locks and pretty much every time they come through and win you money so if you want to put your for example your betonline.ag welcome bonus to good use go listen to locked on bets with your boy q and lee sterling of paramount sports and they will give you all the insight you need to make the best bets you can every single night to win some bucks the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Katie. Let's uh, wrap this thing up here. Uh, a couple more Freddy questions to get to. Let's get to this one here. Um, he's got two really good ones. We'll get to both of them. First off is Miami seems like an incredibly tough matchup for the Raptors in the evil Spider-Man sort of way. If we end up facing them in a playoff series, how do you think Nurse might counter their superior size? Um, bit of a difficult one to answer because they don't really have much to counter size with right now on account of not having any centers who are good. Uh, but do you have any inkling there, Katie, as to what the Raptors might do against the Heat? We don't necessarily need to keep this to size either, but if they were to play in a playoff series, you know, any sort of inkling as to how they might adjust that? I mean, we should note, probably a pretty unlikely playoff series right now. Both of these teams are in the bottom part of the conference, not in the playoff picture at the moment, um, and to get up to like the 4-5 for both of them would be quite a feat, I think, but we'll answer the question either way. What do you think, Katie? 
I mean, less a feat for the Heat at this point. They're only, what, mm. like four games, five games behind the like, fourth spot? It's not. I mean, they're one game ahead of the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And but they and a half. have a better roster <laughs> intact. Once they get everybody <laughs> back, they're True. ready. They are ready to get there. You know, they have an answer for that. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what the answer would be, honestly. This is a very depressing question to me. Um, yeah, the Heat hard. are a stupid matchup. They're really hard. They like play an entirely different style than most teams, and they don't line up with the type of teams the Raptors typically do well with. You know, yeah. like where there's it's like, like an a energy centric star. Yeah, yeah, it's like an energy. I think we saw that in like the fourth quarter um, of their of their first game the other day. Like the Raptors kind of hung on, but. They ran out of gas because they don't, as I said before, like the margins are too thin. They don't really have an answer for like, they don't have a bench. They don't have like a second string that they can put into like rest Larry and Fred and Pascal, you know, Mm -hmm. or like any other reliable. I mean, it's just basically Fred and Larry are the most reliable at this point. But Mm -hmm. like when they have to play the kind of minutes they are, they're being forced to play now a team like the heat. And I, I don't know, I'm looking at most teams in the East right now. They can just kind of, They'll just burn you out in the fourth, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my answer is, you know, they go with the Boucher, Siakam, OG, um, you know, three, four, five. I think a lot of the time you should have OG guarding Bam because OG is, you know, if Bam is the strongest player in the NBA, which he very well could be, OG's in the top five, I think. Like that dude mm-hmm. is uh that dude is thick and has done quite well guarding big centers before. And Bam's only like six foot nine. They're kind of similarly sized. And so I think that's what you want there. And then you want Boucher and Siakam able to kind of switch around to the perimeter. That's the thing with the Heat is they run so much stuff mm-hmm. that switching becomes really important. And I think they're kind of figuring out the switching defense this year. They're doing it a lot more than they did last year um, just because it's kind of necessitated without having that backstop um, at the rim in Marcus All. And, you know, you want to prevent penetration as much as you can. And if you can switch one through five, you know, and you can rely on Fred and Kyle to kind of punch up a little bit sometimes when if they get stuck on a Duncan Robinson or something, which I think you can. They're quite good defenders, even though Robinson kind of shoot over both of their heads. Um, you know, I think that's the kind of way to to deal with the heat. It requires a lot of cohesion. It's very different than the type of defense they play best, which is, all right, let's send all of our attention to a star, make his life miserable, and hope everybody else misses, mm-hmm. which they've been very good with. The Heat are such a different monster, though, and so... The, like the refining the switching i think by season's end is probably the way to go um but yeah they're a tough matchup i hate them <laughs> it really sucks playing the heat uh next question here it comes from freddie the stanimal had some inter- interesting interviews this past week he commented on how difficult this raptors defense is and how long it took him to really sink into it am i too optimistic and the end i is freddie here uh to think that this can still happen for aaron baines maybe even a bit quicker then it happened for Stanley Johnson. Um, any hope for Aaron Baines figuring out the Raptors' defense and becoming a meaningful cog in their rotation? I don't know, man. I'm so confused. <laughs> like, for someone who has been on so many teams and has, like, theoretically fit and worked his way into and of course, like, that maybe their schemes are not as complicated as Toronto's, but they kind of all have been duds. So, like, he made yeah. himself fit. He worked his way into, like... I don't like he could figure it out everywhere else is what I'm trying to say. And the fact that he hasn't 
figured it out here. Like I'm just confused as to why he's not a more fluid player in that sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like guys like him, like kind of mercenary guys who get signed to these deals usually have to be, that is what makes them attractive uh, to get signed, you know? Yeah. Like I wrote at the start of the season about Baines and how the Raptors, you know, perimeter players and the way that they play defense and the way they do everything, frankly, was totally conducive to any center kind of having success. And the things that Baines would have to do to uphold his end of the deal, like rebound and shoot lots of threes, were pretty simple for him to achieve considering his recent bodies of work. And he hasn't done any of those things. And because of that, he's just, you know, he's not benefiting at all from the way the Raptors try to gear things to have centers succeed. I mean, mm-hmm. Alex Len, I think, was similarly just kind of not talented enough to really take advantage of that. Like, I think if you got someone in with a baseline, which was what we thought Aaron Baines was, there is a lot to be excited about in terms of how the Raptors can make life easier on a big but you have to hold up your end of the bargain, however small that end might be, and Baines is not doing that. Maybe as he kind of learns the defense more, he'll be in position a little bit better. I think we saw in the last game, you know, he looked as good as he has since the first couple games of the season. Again, not saying much. He scored three points, had seven boards. He did have three assists, which was nice, but, um, you know, he's still, you know, fouling too much, and he's not really the same backline or defense that the Raptors have been used to having. But, you know, even if he does figure out the defense, is he going to rebound? Is he going to take his threes? Because if he's not, then there's not really a whole lot of utility having him out there. So Perhaps. um, I will offer this. Perhaps because Mm -hmm. he came into the... It's not that he came into the role and he could shadow someone that was there and very adept at it because Mm -hmm. Serge and Mark are both... They both left. So it's kind of like you're starting (laughs) from scratch, right? You can have, like, Kyle Lowry in your ear as much as he probably... I'm guessing he probably is. um, And the other guy's trying to help you out. But I think it's different to watch and learn from someone playing your exact role, you know, on the floor than it is to have someone mm-hmm. try and explain it to you. So maybe I'm just reaching here, but maybe that's why it's taken a little longer because he hasn't really had that. But I mean, remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. All right. We can wrap it there, Katie. We seem to have reached the conclusion of this here podcast. Uh Fair. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, for coming on, Katie. This was a lot of fun. Do you have anything you want to promote? Mm, what should I promote? Um, a new uh, Not Bad Advice. My NBA uh, advice column on Dimes went up. So I'll plug again if you would like to send in questions for that. The email is annlandryfields at gmail.com. A-N-N. Not A-N-N-E. I wonder how many... Wrong emails have gone to the other Ann Landry fields. Yeah, Maybe I should have yeah. signed. I should have got both. I might check and see <laughs> that I can. Anyway, send me uh, your life questions, your basketball advice questions, a mix of both. Happy to receive them. Outstanding. Uh, that'll uh, that'll do it. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, review all the places you get your podcast. It's always appreciated. Uh, we've got, uh, the heat coming up Friday night. We'll watch that game. I don't know if we'll do a podcast about it just because of the scheduling and we usually try to keep the weekends free. Um, but I will do a podcast for sure after the Pacers game Sunday with Tony East. That'll serve as your Monday episode ahead of the Monday night game against Indiana. So get ready for that. Tony's great. I love Tony. He's maybe my favorite guy in the network to do crossovers with. So, uh, yes, that is a shot at Chris Manning. 
damn you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Chris is fine. It's John Corrales who I have the blood feud with. Anyway, uh, we'll uh, leave it there. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Enjoy the heat game. Hopefully it's not as ugly as Wednesday, and we will talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now go turn your attention to Locked On Blue Jays, as I'm sure they're about to sign many more good players, uh, players that Katie will be quite happy to uh. have playing for the Blue Jays. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.